Our message this morning is going to center in Matthew chapter 2. So if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, you can turn there to get ahead for when we dive into that in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I'm curious, did anybody receive any gifts for Christmas that you didn't expect but that you found to be surprisingly neat or useful? If this is you, I would love to hear about it. You can put that in the chat, uh, and I'm anxious to look at those later. When it comes to receiving gifts, whether this is at Christmas or at a birthday, I have zero expectations. I actually can't really think of the last time I wanted a specific thing and was expecting to receive that specific thing. And I'm trying to be somewhat of a minimalist, so I rarely actually want something material. But occasionally I get something, and even though I had no idea that it existed, I'm pretty pleased to have received it. And this year, for me, that was this watermelon slicer, which I did not even know was a thing. You might have seen these before with apples, but they make it in full melon size. And this will do, did you know these existed? This will do a watermelon, this will do a pineapple, a cantaloupe, uh, and it was a nice surprise. I had, I had no idea I needed it, I had no idea I wanted it, uh, but it was a welcome gift to receive yesterday from my mother-in-law. I think a lot of you might be relieved now that uh, gift giving is in the past, because uh, it can be stressful in the month of December. And there comes a time when a person goes from the Christmas season being a net positive financially to a net negative when it comes to gift giving. And I think this happened for me a few years back, and I, I guess that's a checkpoint of growing up. But personally, that reality has stretched me because gifts are not my thing at all. But I've come to realize, yes, there really is joy in giving a good gift. And I've felt like over the last few years, more and more, I believe that cliches are cliches for a reason, and I, I think a lot of them hold water. Whoever came up with it's better to give than receive is really onto something. Now this morning, with gifts in mind, we're going to look at the Magi who brought gifts to the newborn Jesus. If you were worshiping with us last Sunday, we looked at the Christmas story through the lens of Joseph. This took us up through the end of Matthew chapter 1. So this morning, we're picking up right where we left off in Matthew chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. So we're going to dig a little deeper on these visitors while also exploring some relevant takeaways for us, both in our own lives and also in the life of our church community. So let's start by looking at this passage together. This is Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We have seen his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, 
Bethlehem and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So our full reading this morning, that's Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. There is so much in this passage. I think we could probably fill an entire month unpacking all of it. But let's start by giving a little more attention on who we're dealing with in this passage, the Magi. Our word Magi that we see in verse 1, you might have it depicted differently in your Bible, maybe as wise men. It comes from the Greek word magoi. And in Greek, O-I, when something ends in O-I, that's just plural. So magi, this is just a direct transliteration of this Greek word. And it refers to people from east of Israel, potentially modern-day Iraq or Iran, who were known for their sharp skills in interpreting astrological signs. Now, this was a big deal in the ancient world, much more so than today, when it was thought that examining the night sky might help gain some sort of meaning or deeper understanding of the world. So these magi we encounter, we're dealing with some absolute pros in that field. And despite the hymn, We Three Kings, which I loved, which sound beautiful this morning, the argument can be made actually that we don't have a ton of basis for identifying them as kings. Uh, they might have had some sort of uh, official position or governmental standing in their ability to interpret signs, uh, but the jury's out on whether or not they were actually kingly people. We do know that the Magi traveled a long way to see Jesus. If they came from Say Babylon, as many scholars have hypothesized, that would be roughly a four-month journey from there to Israel in their day. We can actually play a little bit of scriptural gymnastics in, in piecing together uh, parts from elsewhere in the Bible. We know in the book of Ezra that Ezra himself, he traveled from Babylon to Jerusalem in Ezra chapter 7, and that's noted as taking four months. So, this, this wise men journey um, wasn't like, you know, they get the call and head over there, like we might drive to Alexandria Hospital or Mount Vernon Hospital. It was quite a trek that they had embarked on. And it's especially fascinating. We can get numb to this if we've heard this story before, if we've seen wise men in nativity scenes throughout our whole life, but it's really fascinating that they knew that something was up. They're really are layers to their awareness of the situation and their coming and bringing this gift. 
we see in our passage this morning that the star guides them. And the Magi are very specific in their request to see Herod. They're not just coming to see something cool. They're drawn to follow this star to meet the king of the Jews. So this request obviously is going to ruffle Herod's feather because feathers because he has been appointed the king of the Jews. So these guys are coming from out of town. They claim that someone has the title that Herod is supposed to have, and they want to see him. So this does not sit well with him. But at the same time, it has to raise suspicion too that these magi from another land were plugged into the narrative of Judaism enough that they're compelled to visit this baby Jesus and compelled to firsthand see the fulfillment of these prophecies. Now, the Jewish scriptures weren't totally unheard of for the people of Babylon, where the wise men likely came from. If you think back several centuries before the time of Jesus, Daniel was an influential person in the Babylonian government. Within the Babylonian operating system sat one of God's prophets who foretold the coming of this Messiah, this Emmanuel. Additionally, there were Jews in Babylon during their exile, some of who remained there in the diaspora when others returned back to Jerusalem. Now, this era is way, way before the printing press, so it's not like there were Old Testaments in every hotel nightstand, but the Old Testament stories that we know and that we have grown up hearing were at least in the water to some extent. And it's as a result that the Magi are familiar with this messianic prophecy and they're eager to see this child who's born. That's the fulfillment of these prophecies and that the star has guided them to. So it's kind of a fascinating blend of their area of expertise as astrologers and also their spiritual curiosity and awareness to pursue this. They ask Herod first, and Herod asks his chief priests and his teachers of the law, and we see them quoting Micah, which was actually our Advent reading on December 12th for those keeping notes at home, and he directs them right to Bethlehem. I want us with fresh ears to just settle in the fact that the Magi come bearing gifts, which is pretty sweet. They brought presents to go see a newborn baby. These seemingly brilliant astrologers, they not only trusted in faith to follow the star, but they prioritized in their journey bringing some presents. I don't know about you, but yesterday I tried to keep some presents in good shape in the back of a minivan for an hour-long drive, and that was a little challenging. Some, some bows may have been crinkled and some perfect corners may have been bent a little bit. Imagine now the Magi keeping their gifts for Jesus intact for something like a four-month journey. It's a sweet reality because they are so compelled to respond to the news of Jesus' birth by not only seeing him, but by bringing their gifts to the table. 
And when we, when you and I, acknowledge that God is at work in our lives and in the world, we should be moved to do the same and to offer our gifts to God. Now, this morning, in, in light of the three gifts that the Magi bring in our passage, I want to share three examples of ways that OTCC and its people have given good gifts to God this year. And transparently, as I was working out my sermon in my head throughout the week, I had second thoughts as this message was coming together because I never think that the thesis of a sermon should be, my church is awesome, or look at us, because that is not the goal of worshiping together. We are worshiping God, and uh, that's not my intent when I drift into storytelling. So I don't present this as a, a look at us list of gifts, but rather a look at God, look at what, by God's grace, God's been able to accomplish. And I say this because I get the privilege from my vantage point to see a whole lot of what happens in and through this congregation, some of which is public, some of which is private. And I know that the good that comes from God's people working together, both in OTCC and in the larger Alexandria community is not to boost anyone's name or anyone's status, but because the gift of God that we've spent all month talking about is genuinely something to be shared. So we know the Magi and see in the passage brought frankincense, gold, and myrrh. So let's hit three gifts that OTCC has brought and offered to God in the past year. Gift number one is serving the community. Plain and simple, there are countless people in the congregation who give their gifts of time and energy and resources to serve people in Alexandria who need it. It's a a special gift that you can't put in a box or put a bow on, uh, but it goes so far. Every single week, uh, we have people serving the community Every single Wednesday morning, we have people who are firing on all cylinders in our kitchen shortly after 5 a.m. And there are people who volunteer every single week, others like me, maybe monthly, others quarterly. There's some who contribute massive uh, amounts of their gifts to this effort who have not yet become part of our worshiping community. And I say yet because the invitation is very much open. And I couldn't be prouder of them in the ways that they give their gifts of of time and talents, not just with preparing a meal, but in relationship building. The gifts that the wise men brought were precious. And our time is an absolutely precious gift. So with the desire to share God's love and a warm meal with people. We have people who give their precious 4.30 a.m. alarms sometimes just to make sure that our neighbors are cared for. And we're going to talk about this a little more in late January as we celebrate five years uh, of those friendships. But additionally, there are people who give their gifts of time on the second Saturday of every month, making sure that there is a great meal at the Carpenter Shelter, which is a place in Alexandria where People are housed who need to get back up on their feet. And there are people who give their gift of time and organization 
monthly on the third Friday when we have a food distribution in partnership with Alive to give food away. And God receives these gifts and multiplies them. And, and what uh, really warms my heart about all of these I'm naming is these are not uh, examples of this congregation acting in isolation. We're one of a few churches that provide breakfast to cover every weekday. The Carpenter Shelter has a massive roster of generous Alexandrians who provide different meals. They'll have churches that might do one meal a month, businesses that might do one meal a month, neighborhood associations, and the same can be said about Alive. It is a lot of churches and God's people working together to offer their gifts to bring good about. And there are people who are also very intentional in the ways that these efforts are funded. We have someone in the church who works in the shadows to apply for grants that helps fund uh, much of what we do to serve the community. And much of what I've mentioned here, it's, it's not a budget line item. It's something that really just flows from the generosity of the church as people give their gifts to God. So that's gift number one. I don't know if we want to link that up with gold or frankincense or myrrh, uh, but we'll call that the gold just because that's the first one we hear from the Magi. The second one, very practically, is gift number two, serving the church. There is so much that happens on a Sunday and month to month here that few people see when it comes to people giving their gifts to the church. Each week over the past months, we have had fantastic greeters downstairs welcoming people to the building. We've had them upstairs welcoming people into the sanctuary. We have had loyal volunteers downstairs in our children's ministry classes, working with children and helping teach them foundations of faith in those classes while we're upstairs worshiping here. There is much, much more than the voices speaking or singing from the pulpit that adds to our community and that makes God so happy about seeing God's people working together. And I'm just talking about Sundays there. Outside of Sunday mornings, we have a prayer team that is faithfully praying for the church, both in general and individual requests, both confidential and public. There are deacons who are responding to a variety of needs, many of which are unseen. We also have a servant leadership council, people who give the gift of their time and their God-given gifts and abilities to help guide the church. People honing their gifts and giving these gifts to God through serving the church makes a massive difference. And I wish I could talk more about it, but so much of this gift-giving is done humbly and intentionally behind the scenes so that God receives all of the glory there. That's gift number two. Gift number three, it's a bit unorthodox, but it's our building. God has blessed this congregation with this building, and it's been turned around to be a blessing to the city. Of course, it's a blessing as a place of worship. On Sunday mornings, many of us are familiar with coming into this space and worshiping, and I, I absolutely 
love the gift of this particular part of our building. So much more happens too. Throughout the week, there are seven, as of right now, recovery groups that are meeting here, both in the sanctuary and in the fellowship hall. So in this same place where we worship, uh, the chairs get turned into a circle where the ministry of recovery then happens. And these groups are anonymous by nature, right? Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. So we let them do their thing, but whenever they see me or whenever they see me uh, or whenever they see Pastor Phil, their leaders are so intentional saying, thank the church for being gracious with your space. Lives are being transformed through the work that we're doing. Additionally, there's a, a nonprofit some of you might be familiar with called Together We Bake that's operating. Not just baking, but also transforming the lives of ladies who need a second chance that come through their program. There's a school that's operating during the weekdays that use our classrooms. And these are just a, a handful of examples of the ways that this gift of prime real estate that we have isn't something that we're clinging to, but like all gifts, it's something that's being released to see God work in and through. Ever since I've been here, I've, I've loved to see how it's in this congregation's DNA to release gifts to God and to allow God to work in and through everything, including the brick and mortar at our address. The, the building has been a gift to God in 2021 of all years, and Lord willing, it'll continue to be the same in 2022 as much, if not to a greater extent. We all have equivalents like this in life, things of which we have that we can be generous with. Uh, odds are you don't own a very large building in Old Town, but God blesses each of us with things that are either material uh, or immaterial like our time or our talents that we are called to bring to the table for the sake of God's glory. The Magi brought their gift to the table, and we are called to do the same. The church, as I outlined just a few examples, brings gifts to the table. I believe God is pleased with them and receives them with uh, some sort of uh, divine representation of a smile. And I believe that God wants our best and that there's room to thrive in a, in a new way every year. So thinking more on a micro sense now, I want us to each consider what gifts do we have that we're prepared to offer God? Could be one, it could be a multitude. But as you inevitably spend some time in the week ahead, thinking about 2022, ask God to, to bring to mind or to lay on your heart what are some gifts that you're being called to offer. It might be as, as you're hearing this that, you know, maybe you've been curious about the church, but you haven't quite jumped into our community yet. Well, we would love to have you. And we're going to have an OTCC 101 class in January uh, after worship later in the month, which is for people who are interested in becoming members or, or simply learning more uh, as to what we're about and what we do. Uh, we would love to welcome you to, 
start giving gifts to God uh, through your talents within the context of the church. And it might be, and, it, and it's okay if you're in this, in this space, it might be that you aren't quite sure what your gifts are. You're not quite sure how to give God your gifts when you can't quite articulate them yet. You know, it, it might be that, that your gifts are like a watermelon slicer. You just, you haven't discovered it yet. You, you don't even know it's a thing. Twelve even pieces. I mean, you, you might have layers to your gifts uh, that you have yet to discover if so, let's talk about it. I would be happy to chat with you. Pastor Phil would be happy to chat with you. Our emails are on the website. You can call the church office as well. There's a task ahead of us and one that we can step into with joy. We read in our passage, the Magi were joyous as they followed the star to meet Jesus. And it's with joy that we must offer our gifts to God as well. It's a unique time to be the church. It's a challenging one at times too, but it's also as crucial as it's ever been in recent memory. And the task on us is to faithfully represent God to our communities and to our neighbors. We do that by offering God our gifts, both in word and in deed just like we've seen the Magi do in their action of worship and the gifts that they give. So as the Magi journeyed, as we've seen in Scripture this morning, over to Israel in Matthew 2, let's journey into a new year together with our gifts in tow to eagerly present to God. Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing one more song. God, we thank you for the way that you tell the Christmas story through Scripture, the particular peace that we were able to step into this morning with the Magi. God, we're humbled to see prophecies fulfilled. And we're humbled to see them fulfilled in Jesus. We receive that gift gratefully. And God, we pray that you move in us as a church, in us separately as people, God, to offer our gifts to you. Help us unearth them if we're unable to find them right now. Help us utilize them for the sake of people experiencing your love, the joy, the peace, the hope that can be found in you. Thank you for sharing that gift with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more song this morning which is, which song is it, Brian? Angels, Angels we...